0: Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. I want to share a message tonight that I think is going to be an encouragement, a message that I believe God will use to speak to our hearts. I wouldn't open the Bible if I thought it was just a textbook because it's a weekend. I wouldn't open the Bible, you know, if I thought it was just an interesting uh, novel, because I'm maybe more of a movie guy than a book guy. I don't know if anyone else here is with me. But, but hey, the Bible's alive. It's active. Jesus uses it to, to change our hearts. I've heard it said before that the Bible's the only book that when you open it, the author is always in the room. And Jesus, who, who is said to be the living word, is here in the room, and, and he says this, that the Spirit of God is intended for you and I to illuminate truth to us, to remind us of who Jesus is. And so tonight, I dare to believe this miracle that as we open the scripture, God's going to speak to our hearts. He's going to meet us where we're at, and uh, he's going to challenge some things. I don't know about you, I like getting challenged. I don't want to just coast. I like being challenged. So why don't we pray together today and then we're going to dive into this message. Jesus, we honor you in this place. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together. I pray that we wouldn't miss a moment like this. I pray that we wouldn't miss uh, the things that you would want to do because uh, we're distracted or thinking about the next thing we have to do for this moment. In this time, we pause. We commit to being present, to being watchful, open ears, open hearts. I pray that you'd Speak to every person in this place. In your name we pray, and everybody said amen. 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 If you're taking notes tonight, let me, uh, let me start you off with this, this phrase that I think is going to kind of frame the message tonight. If you take notes, you may be right on the top of your page or on the top of whatever note-keeping app you use, the title of tonight's message, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. You ever been in that place? Like, man, I'm just not feeling it anymore. Like the gym, I'm just not feeling it right now. Anyone ever felt that way? Like there was a time I was really into it. Like I I, I bought some new shoes, and I was like, I was ready. I was locked in. I was dialed in. It was every day. And then I just took one day off. And that was six months ago, and I'm just not feeling it. You been there? Been there? Man, I don't know about you. I love love thinking about and preparing for great meals. you with me? Oh, I love eating good meals, but the cleaning up part, I'm just not feeling it. Like at that point in time, I'm like, oh, the meal is done now. I'm not feeling this anymore. I love being in a place relationally where you're like, man, I'm so in sync with the people in my world, the the people, my family, my friends. I feel like there's so much unity, so much openness. But when it comes down to having tough conversations, man, sometimes I'm just not feeling it. You ever been there? You know, I had this season in my life. I was about 19 years old, and so it's pretty ancient history. I had this season in my life where I I spiritually just simply wasn't feeling it. Spiritually, I I would enter into times of worship or I would attend, you know, gatherings, be together in smaller groups like a hub. I, I was still doing all of the things that I would typically do, but my heart. It seemed like it had just grown cold. It was totally disengaged from the thing I was doing. I I would go into a worship service, and I would look around the room, and I knew the words to the songs, and I knew how to sing sing along, but I, I was like, man, I'm just not feeling this right now. I found myself looking at other people who seemed to be feeling it. And my assumption Maybe you've done the same. My assumption was, I think they're all faking it. Because I'm doing the same thing that they're doing. They seem to be getting something out of this. I'm not getting anything out of this. I think maybe everybody else is just faking it, which was really a good thing for my heart. It really helped soften my heart to really turn into a blamer who was looking at everyone else. You know, I had this, this sense like I'm just not feeling it. Have you ever been there spiritually? Maybe someone here tonight, you're like, you, you're in that rut. You're trying to get yourself out of the rut, but you're like, man, I'm just not feeling it right now. You know, I think feelings, they take a little bit of a bad rap sometimes in church. Because tonight I want to talk to you about, in essence, the, the love of God. We're, we're in a series of messages called These Three Remain, out of this beautiful chapter of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where the Apostle Paul defines love. He's speaking to a group of people who were in a growth phase, a group of people who were in like an upturn if they were on a graph, They're a p- group of people who were they were hungry, and they had desire within them to grow, and they were like, man, we're feeling it right now, Paul. Like, we're in this groove. Help us to grow. Help us to get better. Help us to get stronger. And then he starts with this this, straight, this statement. Let me show you the most excellent way. And they're all like, "Whoa, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Getting hyped. And he goes, here's the most excellent way. If you speak all the greatest words, articulate with perfect precision, but you don't have any love, It's gonna just sound like a symbol being crashed over and over. And if you if you have wisdom, the ability with foresight to prophesy, to see the future, and to declare it to the people around you, but you don't have any love with that wisdom, you're nothing. And if you just determine, well, instead of those things, then I'm just going to give everything I have, all my money, all my time, all my talents. He goes, even if I give my very life, but I don't have this grounding in love, then I've gained nothing. So a group of people who are like, Paul, you started, you had me. You had me when you said the most excellent way, but I'm just not feeling it anymore, bro. You just are a like major downer. You're like, I'm a banging symbol. I got nothing. I gained nothing. And then he goes on beautifully def- to define love. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It- it's beautiful. It goes on and concludes with this thought. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. He's like the types of things in life that really matter. The types of things in life that 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 lead towards excellence aren't how, what you say, what you know, and what you give. The types of things that last for things like faith, things like hope, things like love, and the greatest of all these is love because God's love. And so I, I think sometimes feelings get this bad rap in, in church because we read a statement like this, we're like, God is love, and, and, and then we conclude, love's not a feeling. You with me? You've ever heard that? Love's not a feeling. And you're like, man, that's good. I, I read a, a tweet of that years ago. Love's not a feeling. Man, do people still tweet? It's been a while. Love's not a feeling. I think that is true, however, I think it might actually be distracting us from a more holistic picture. Love is not a feeling, but love does feel. Like Feeling doesn't necessarily motivate love, but love will always motivate feeling when we begin to function in love. Like God's not asking us to be emotionless drones who just do the right things because love's not a feeling after all, so I'm just determined. Uh, It's actually as we understand how loved we are, that out of that place of being loved, love begins to overflow. In 1 John, it's put this way. 1 John chapter 4, such a beautiful depiction of the love of God. It's like you can't love God if you don't love the people around you. He's simply saying this, like, like if you really, really love God, you're going to understand the heart of God is all about people, including the person next to you. So, so love goes that way. Man, God, I'm just not feeling it. Like I'm good with you, but when it comes to other people, I don't know if I'm I'm feeling it right now. It was years ago, about ten years ago, that that uh, online on some sort of an online forum. Uh, a man named Wojak, or who has come to be known as Wojak, started a, a trend in, in the memosphere uh, of, of using the word feel in a different sort of way. Maybe check this out. Tell me if you, re- you recognize this. Do you recognize this meme? Yeah, I know the feel, bro. Right? That's the, the the caption on it. I know the feel, bro. In 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 this one instance, we took the word feeling, and reduced it down to the word feel. You're like, well, it's just, it's an easier way. It's its fewer, fewer uh, letters to type out. But it's interesting because feeling, that I-N-G, is what makes it a, a verb. It makes it action-oriented. It's also what makes you recognize that it's fleeting. It's fickle. It changes. Have you ever woken up to the greatest day of your life? Like, oh, I slept so well. Everything is awesome. You got like the Lego movie soundtrack stuck inside your head. Everything is awesome until you get like cut off and then you're like, man, this day, now I'm just not feeling it anymore. Have you ever been there? Like you, 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 you're at work, you're in a groove, you get distracted, you're not feeling it anymore. You're saving. You feel like you're on the way, and then a bill you weren't expecting comes, and you're like, "I'm just not feeling it anymore. I got to go buy something now." <laughs> right? It's interesting that that. I guess it's it's a meme. But check this out. This same type of concept, actually, it goes on and on. Check this out. I like this one. Look at all the feels I know. Check out the next one. We should be probably more honest that this is usually us. Hold up. I don't really know that feel, bro. That would be a good place actually for us to live probably more often than we do. When people are expressing an emotion to us, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 I know exactly what you mean. I feel the same way in this story of my life. Now let's make this conversation about me. You ever been there? Like maybe we'd be better to actually show someone we care by saying, tell me more about that, that feeling you have right now. Check this one out all the puppy people in the place, all the feels, I have them. For the people who are more cat people, that hit me right in the feels. And lastly, I don't always feel the feels, but when I do, I feel all the feels. <laughs> do you have any feelers in the place? Yeah, I just want to apologize on, the, uh, on behalf of of church narrative in general. I think feelings just take a bad rap. And you're made to believe if you feel something, you should stop. Made to believe that if you're feeling too much, like, whoa, 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 that's just being emotional. What's wrong with being emotional? Emotion is fine. Emotion is great. Emotion has a lot of beauty and complexity to it. The only thing that emotion shouldn't do for us is be the the guide to our decision-making. It just can't sit in the driver's seat. I mean, emotions are great. Feelings are important. They just shouldn't be in the driver's seat. But by taking I-N-G out of a feeling and saying it's a feel, it's like it's a thing. It's a noun. It describes me. It defines me. And sometimes I'm just not feeling it. Sometimes my sincerity is at an all-time low. Remember in that season... 19 years old, looking around the room, going, man, I just don't think anybody is real. I think maybe everybody's faking it. And that season was, was it carried on for months in my life. I'm, going, I'm doing the right things, but the feelings aren't there. This morning I was reading out of the book of Lamentations. Lamentations has all the feels. <laughs> I'm telling you. If you want to get happy, maybe don't look at Lamentations. Lamentations, it's, it's a book in the Bible written by a guy named Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrote one book that he put his own name on, and then he wrote a book called Lamentations, which essentially means a song that makes you cry. He was known as the Weeping Prophet. I don't know if he ever intended for Lamentations to be published. Maybe it was just his journal. You know, Dear Diary. <laughs> Lamentations, in this book, he he writes a lot about the feelings associated with being afflicted. The feelings that come when nothing's going right. I think a lot of times when we say, I'm just not feeling it anymore, it's because we were feeling so much that we tried to stop feeling so much, and then we're like, why can't I feel anything anymore? It's kind of the way it works, right? When you start shutting off some feelings, you start losing sensation in other areas as well. and So he's writing with all the feels. Man, I'm so afflicted. Everything's awful. Nothing's going right. Have you ever been in in that headspace? Amazingly, probably similar to you and I, Jeremiah, when things are going wrong, finds himself pointing blame to others. You know, often when, when things are going wrong, we look at those around us, you did this to me. You did this to me. Sometimes we look at ourselves in the mirror and we're like, "You did this to me." Sometimes we like to kind of point downward, and be like, "The devil, the devil made me do this." It's just Satan, you know, hiding behind every rock, certainly with a pitchfork in his hand. He's out to get me. True, sometimes. And then I think often. If we're real, like, we point the finger at God. Like, you did this to me. Or maybe if we really have, like, all the feels going on, we're more like a, like a, a wild garden hose that's just kind of flopping around. We're like, it's you and you and you and you and God and Satan are teamed up with me and they're working with my cousin and they're all out to get me and everybody else is at fault. And I'm just not feeling it right now remember about a year ago, this week, about a year ago, uh, we were in like a, a bit of a season where it felt like nothing could go right. Ever been there? We were in a season grieving the loss of a loved one. Things were busy. Things were stressful. I determined, you know, I think what I need to do is, is take a few days Away with my family. We need to just go on a little road trip. On that road trip, my vehicle broke down profoundly. Like the type of breakdown where the mechanic says, oh yeah, that shouldn't take a problem at all. And then fixes it and charges you a lot and it did not solve the problem. And so you drive off the lot and another problem arises and then you push it back onto the lot. And it's like, oh, I didn't see that one. I'll fix that too, but that'll cost you again. Unfortunately, we happened to be in Seattle at the time, and so so I'm in a foreign country without a vehicle. Got my wife, got my kids. My kids, what a good holiday this is. (laughs) Vacation. It's great. We had to rush home because because we had to go in for an ultrasound. We were expecting a baby, had an ultrasound, and and so I thought, man, i got to rent a vehicle to drive home for an ultrasound to then come back tomorrow and hope that this time this joker got it right. So we're driving home, in a rented vehicle, you know, rushing, getting in late. The next morning, get up early, go to the ultrasound. We walk into the ultrasound, and they say, okay, well, there's some good news, some bad news, which is never, you don't want to hear bad news at an ultrasound. Like, yeah, heart's looking great, uh, and, and one of the kidneys looks great. The other one's just not there. But uh, but it's it should be okay. And, and I'm like, oh, man. Now, good news, kidney grew. God did it. Miracle. Awesome. But I didn't know that would happen in that moment. Then I had to rent another vehicle to drive back to Seattle. I remember driving back and and just thinking, I'm like, God, I think you kind of missed it on this one. Like, you're a good, good father? I remember thinking, like, God, if you you throw one more thing at me, I don't know how I'm going to respond. And then even that, like, I'm driving, I'm, I'm alone, and I'm, like, getting emotional. And then thinking, like, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I know how I'll respond. I'll still say yes. And then thinking, like, have you ever been there where you're, you're dialoguing both sides of the conversation? <laughs> you're like, am I praying or am I going crazy? <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> Man. It's funny, I was feeling so many things that my go-to was just like, you know, I'm not feeling it anymore. I'm not feeling the types of things I ought to be feeling in order to do the things I ought to be doing. I love that in, in Corinthians that Paul would, would say that love never fails, like love endures, because love is who God is. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. I remember in that car ride feeling similar to what I had felt when I was 19. Thinking, man, like, are you good? Can you help? Do you care? Let me read this passage out of Lamentations to you. Maybe maybe you felt this way before. I like in Lamentations that Jeremiah gets a little raw. He's real. He's uncensored. Doesn't feel like he needs to turn his language into something prettier than it really is. Check this out, Lamentations chapter 3, starting at verse 19. He says, "I remember my afflictions and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me." One, one translation says this, "My soul is brought to its knees. Have you ever been that? Like we're inside of you, you're like, I just, ah. I am just not feeling it anymore. In that place, on his knees, Jeremiah says this, yet, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I mean, check out out the, the change of pronouns that takes place here. Soul on its knees. Crippled. Crumbling, downcast, only the energy to, to recall and recount to his mind, because the Lord's great love were not consumed. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I love that. You see the shift? In his affliction, he feels like, man, God's far off. But at least, at least his compassions. Never fail. And in that moment of realization, God draws near. He's like, oh, great is your faithfulness. And he goes from God being at a far off. It's about him. He's distant. And in that moment, he's like, oh, great is your faithfulness. And then he says this. How beautiful. He says, I'm going to say to myself, because sometimes we need to talk to ourselves, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is my portion. In other words, God is all I need. He's all I need. Sometimes we feel a lot of things about the things that would never make us feel the way we thought we'd feel afterwards anyway. God's all we need. So the Lord's my portion. He's worth waiting for. And then it goes on. Check this out. He says this. So on the knees in that place, it says, the Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seek him. I like that, but I don't really like it. Here's why. It makes it sound like God's goodness is based on my seeking. Doesn't it? It makes it sound like God is good as long as I put in that little extra effort. But God, I'm honestly just not feeling it right now. I don't feel like waiting. I don't feel like seeking. And the only way you'll be good to me is if I, if I wait and I seek. Isn't this all then based on my effort and my energy? Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying, God is good. Those who wait will experience that goodness. God is good. God's goodness isn't contingent on your patience. But if you can wait just a little bit, you'll experience it. And everyone who has the patience to experience it will experience the goodness of the Lord. And so then he says this, hey, while on your knees, it's good to wait. And then he goes one step further. He says it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's good for a man to bear the yoke while he's young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to the one who would strike him, and let him be filled with disgrace. For no one is cast off, but the Lord forever. By the Lord forever, though he bring his grief, he'll show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. I like this because I think Jeremiah's perspective about God is still flawed, yet God is still good. He's still flawed. He's like, God, put this on me. God's weighing me down. God is pressing me. And I love this about God. He is so confident in who he is that he's okay with us getting some of the details wrong. He's okay that in our grief we're like, why would you do this to me? God's not like, oh, man, what have I done? God knows who he is. He's comfortable with who he is. He knows his plan. And so here, Jeremiah, he's still kind of like pointing the finger at God. He's like, I got my knees on the ground. And then you say it's even good for me to put my face down to the ground. In other words, impatience, also having humility. But if I will have humility in that place, even though I'm still thinking you maybe did this, what I'm going to find on the other side is your unfailing love. What I'll find on the other side is you were there for me all along. You know, years ago, it was, uh, it was the quest of all those people living in Europe to, uh, to get all the tea. They really liked tea a lot. They liked tea and spices so much that they conquered the world. It's amazing. They were really passionate about their tea. And uh, they would send out voyagers and, and explorers to go to the farthest reaches of the world to bring back tea. And uh, it was like, hey, I want tea. I want it to be Earl Grey. I want it to be extra creamy, and I want it to be fast. Like, you better be back within three and a half years. I'm counting. And they would send people on ships, and they would make their way from Europe all the way down the uh, the western coast of Africa. And when they got to that southern uh, cape of Africa where two oceans collide, the water is really treacherous there. It's stormy, two oceans coming together, and and... And voyager after voyager, exploration after exploration, they would get to this cape, which they, they knew as Cape Storm, and uh, they wouldn't make it through the storm. They'd make it as far as the storm, but then be defeated by the storm. And then word would make it back. I don't know how long it took, probably months, maybe years. They're like, hey, okay, remember that voyager you sent off um, like a year ago? They didn't make it past Cape Storm. So you're going to have to postpone tea time just a little bit longer. And, uh, and wait, wait for the next ship. But one by one, they failed. Now, now over time, with some perseverance, some persistence, some tweaking, some strategy, uh, they figured out how to navigate those rough waters. And as soon as they did, they thought it's fitting now that we change the name of this Cape from Cape Storm to what is now known as Cape Good Hope. You know, I, I think there's some people here today, you'd be in the midst of what feels like a storm, that has you feeling all the feels until you're just not feeling it anymore. And the truth of the matter is, if if you can wait on the Lord, if you can lean into Him, lean your trust in Him, I believe the very thing that feels like an impossible storm right now will be the story you look back on as good hope. You know, sometimes when we're at our lowest, people will encourage us with something like this, hey, this season is not going to define you. I actually think it will. It'll define you in the best of ways. It'll define you as the type of person when it looked impossible, then God came and came to your rescue. I think it'll, it'll define you as the type of person when you just weren't even feeling it anymore. God said, guess what? My love towards you was never based on your feelings anyway, and he'll come and set you free. I think it will define you as the type of person who, though, though you, the feeling was no longer there, God showed up in faithfulness, and God proved his goodness, and God proved his kindness. And the storm will turn to good hope. I love 1 John chapter 4, and verse 16. It says this, we know and rely on the love of God. A lot of us, we've heard some things about the love of God. Maybe we've had some experiences with the love of God. Perhaps we have minimized God's love to, I felt something one time when I sang a song or a friend shared a sermon link with me uh, on, on the computer or I read a passage, it made me feel something. And we think that's the love of God. But here's the thing, the more God reveals himself, the more we can rely on him the more his love becomes clear to us, the more there is to lean into. I want to encourage us to be the type of people that even when we're not feeling it, we say, no, it's, it's good for me to wait. I'm going to experience the goodness of God in my patience. I'm not feeling like being patient right now, but love's not a feeling. It's good for me to be humble. I don't feel like being humble literally ever. I have never once in my life had a feeling like I would love to be humble right now. You know what I think is amazing about God is we can get so real with him, doesn't take offense. In fact, he celebrates with us. The Bible describes it this way, that love rejoices with the truth. I think God's like, like, we're pouring out our heart, and God's like, yes! Woo! You are lustful. You are angry. You are jealous, and you finally got honest about it. Oh, I'm excited. I got hope for you. We're going to get through this affliction. The the truth is, it doesn't matter where the affliction comes from. If it's us, if it's others, if it's from the devil, if it's from God who's, who's working in us to change us and sharpen things, it doesn't matter where the affliction comes from. There is a rescuer, his name is Jesus, and he comes to set us free from the mistakes that we make, from the pain afflicted by others, from the attacks on our life, and even from his own seasons of discipline where he would be changing us, that's not your destiny. I thank God he rejoices. He's like, "Whoa, you found out. You're proud. I'm so proud of you for knowing you're proud. You're angry. You're jealous. You're envious. Guess what? I'm loving. And so I have everything you need to top up what's lacking. Man, my, my prayer tonight is that this concoction of feelings, thoughts, perspectives, scriptures, could somehow land in our hearts in such a way that we draw a little nearer to Jesus, that we lean a little more weight into his love. Because feelings are complex, aren't they? I mean, for some of us, the only feelings we have are good and hungry. But for the rest of us, It's a tangled, confusing, complex, hard to understand, often mysterious thing to understand what we're really feeling. Aren't you grateful that the kindness of Jesus is not based on your feeling? Are you grateful that his feelings towards you never change? His mercies, plural, mercies, every other kind you're ever going to need, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So our hope comes from the love he has for us. Our faith comes from the faithfulness he's shown us. Our love is a reflection only of his love. Can I pray with you today? Wherever you are, would you bow your heads? We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vividchurch. Or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.